Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. Uh, we are celebrating our 100th episode. And so uh, we thought we'd take the opportunity of just having a look back and kind of see what we've been doing and, you know, maybe think of what we've been doing well and what what we haven't been doing well and what we could have been doing. And, you well, know. And, and look at, you know, if we've reevaluated any of the films that we've seen in retrospect. Ah, that's a good idea. Okay, yes. I thought that was the point. No, I think the point is more kind of about us. So we, we've now done, this is our 100th episode. So A, it's a reason to celebrate, right? But B, it's, it is also a kind of a reason to kind of look back and, and see kind of, you know, what we've been doing, really. Okay, well, <laughs> let's celebrate then. Okay, hurrah. <laughs> no, because I think, I think you know, there are, there are a lot of questions, right? First, as to the form, right? Kind of, it is a podcast, so, you know, there are obvious things that you cannot do in a podcast that you can do maybe in other forms, which is, you know, like to show images, right? And kind of uh, um, point people to things. Um, there are things that are much easier to do, right? Like, you know, you, you, it's a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's much easier to, to convey. Uh, it's much better that it's not filmed so people don't have to look at us. <laughs> I'm very keen on keeping it just audio. <laughs> <laughs> I want to try a video experiment, but uh, I am also keen to keep it uh, at audio. Um, but I, I just wondered, you know, because actually you've been doing all the editing and everything, so... You know, kind of, are there things that you've learned and about, uh, you know, the doing of the podcast? Because, you know, you listen to it more than I do. Uh, probably. Well, I can tell you that I've... Because I've, um, it's, it's, it's been like 10 years between leaving university where I was studying film with you and, um, and then doing the podcast. And I can tell you that, like, kind of relearning to to watch films with a more kind of appreciative sort of critical eye like looking for things mm. that's, what, that, that, that's kind of come back mm. to me and I've started to do that more I mean I certainly watch films kind of less casually now mm. um, and I'm always kind of you know I, what, what I want I want to find things to look at I mean you know you know, it's, you know I take notes yes. half the time on my phone after yes. the movie Occasionally, I even run out during the movie to make some notes. <laughs> yeah, which you don't bother. No, you're just like fuck it. I'll wing it. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, but you know that, that's something that I've, I've definitely definitely started doing more, and I think that really pays off. And it's basically, and it it, it means that like, it's better for the podcast, and it means that I enjoyed the movies more as well. Uh -huh. it makes me pay more more attention. It makes me pay better attention. I yes. Um, I have you know I have issues in the sense that uh, I think. Obviously, you know, we both live in Birmingham and what we do is we engage with the cinema that's available to us, right? Mm. You know, so we often see films at either Cineworld or the Mac or the Electric. Uh, this morning we went uh, to, to Star City. Uh, you know, we, we kind of do make use of what's available. But one of the things that's become very clear to me is how little, how little foreign cinema we cover. Yeah. You know, and so, and I have this thing because, you know, periodically I teach in, in, in Cuba and there is like a kind of an international kind of a body of work that people interested in cinema have in common 
in, you know, in Cuba and in Spain and, you know, and in Germany and that filmmakers have that is actually not the cinema that we are engaging with, really, mm. you know. Uh, so I would like us to expand, you know, our range of viewing a bit more. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm certainly paying more attention. I mean, 90% of what we see is the Cineworld. Yes. Because we have the Cineworld card, and that's those are the biggest releases. Yes. And they, and they show you know, a lot of other stuff too, but obviously all the Hollywood things we'll see there. Um, and, and then when it comes to the Electric or the Mac, um, basically we'll see a film there if it's not on at Cineworld. Yes. And because the Electric we still have issues with as a cinema. Yes. You know, like it really trades on the, on the oldest working cinema in the UK thing to the yes. point where you're kind of expected to overlook that it's not actually that great to watch films there. I think. No, it's not. Um, and the Mac, we really like. It's the best place to watch films in the city in terms of, you know, the quality of the screen. You know, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's gorgeous uh, to see the digital prints there. And, and the atmosphere, the, the whole thing of like, when you go there, you, there is a different feeling there. I mean, I remember going there uh, a few years ago to see Enter the Void, hmm. Gaspar Noe film, and, um, and it was really, really full. And I was like, that's a, that's a full-on art movie, right? Yes. And it's in a full-on art cinema. Like, yeah. you really go there and you're just expected to be completely quiet. Like, there's yeah. no phones, there's no food even. Like, you would just shut up. And then, you know, when someone was kind of opening a boiled sweet, <laughs> the, 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 the rapper going, <laughs> you know, oh, it pissed everybody off so much mm. in a way that it wouldn't in, you know, Cineworld. world. Yes. You know, and that's what I really like about the Mac. Like, you can go there for a real kind of, real sort of cinema porn experience mm. there. Yes. I mean, I think, you know, I think, I think that's kind of part of the fun. Um, and I think we are going to venture, you know, more into, into a, a, a wider cinephile culture in Birmingham. So, you know, one of the things that we haven't kind of been doing, partly because, you know, it has to be fun for us, but I think we do need to seek out more of the film festivals, for example. You know, yeah, no, we haven't engaged with those at all. It's also partly I mean, the hours that I work, because I, I work nights, which yes. is not something we've ever brought up on the thing before, on the podcast before. But like the fact that I work nights just makes it so difficult. Sometimes, yes. You know. Yes, well, there's um, only certain things we can do, that's know. for sure. Um, um, but you're right. Like, we, we, we haven't uh, tried to engage with, um, with cinema in Birmingham as a locale yes. enough at all, really. We have engaged with Mubi, uh, you know, which I think is fantastic. And I would like us, you know, to occasionally cover uh, more of what's being shown on video on demand. Not necessarily movie in particular, right? But, you know, kind of, there, are, there's, there is a certain type of film now mm. that really you can only see uh, on video on demand, right? Well, or on Netflix or... Well, there are Netflix originals, but that's, I mean, these are films that would otherwise just be in cinemas that just... But they're not in I, cinemas, so... No, sure. So, but, I mean, I just don't like Netflix. Originals. I don't. It's not that I think they're cra- they're crap. I mean, well, people really love like Mudbound. People really love that the Beast of No Nation. I'm not saying they're bad films, but I just I really loathe the there's a, there's a cynicism behind it. We've got all the data on what people will watch, and this is what we'll, and so we've got all the so we'll make it specifically. I hate that. But there's no reason why we can't cover, and you can say that you hate no, that. No, sure. <laughs> I mean... I'd just rather see films at a fucking cinema, man. Well, I, I do as well, but I, I think we also have to engage with the kind of, you know, the, the cinematic culture that is around us, and that's part of it, and I don't think we can ignore it. 
I really want to, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's try not to. Yeah. Uh, now, of, of, you know, we've now... Uh, I, well, actually, I was going to say we've covered 99 films, but we haven't really, because, you know, some of them we looked at twice. Yeah, so we've done 99 podcasts, but mm. uh, we've had second screenings of... Three or four of them. We we watched more than three or four. Well, we we Blade watched. Runner, Phantom Thread, Star Wars. Blade Runner, Phantom Thread, Star Wars, Three Billboards. Those are the films that we watched twice. So. Ah, right. Okay. So that's and three watching it twice is not necessarily a marker that these films are better than some of the other ones we've seen because actually, you know, uh, in relation to Three Billboards, for example, you know, kind of we both have a serious reservations about yeah. it. but it's really interesting. That's yeah, we want to see it again. exactly. So yeah. you know, we had questions. That uh, we try to find an answer to in the second screening. Yeah. Uh, so, th- but the second, but doing a second podcast doesn't necessarily mean on its own that we like the film more. It's just you know that that we we had more questions really. Well, so we've been asked a couple of questions. Um, Laura, who's one of our most loyal listeners. Yes. Um, thank you, Laura. <laughs> uh, asked us um, uh, films films that we that we've seen that we think should get more love or films that we hated. Ah, so we've got the list up, and we'll take a second to look over it. Um, yes, because God knows we can't really remember off the top of our heads. Well, you know my memory's so bad. But that, films uh, that we think should get a little bit more love than okay, let me than they have. Well, I couldn't possibly love 120 Beats Per Minute more. So <laughs> you know, I just think that's such a great film, and if you haven't seen it, uh, go see it. It was a good podcast as well, I think. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed seeing it. The same for Blade Runner. I mean, you know, I still think it's it's completely great. Mm. Uh, I hope it comes back to the cinema. I hope so I'll too. I'll see it again in the cinema. There are some that I'm having even trouble remembering. <laughs> that, that is another one of the questions. That was one of the questions that David asked us. I think uh, what films can we barely remember? Oh God, there's you know there's so many of them. <laughs> um, I mean, and very recent ones as well. I think the worst film that we've seen is A Wrinkle in Time. Really? I think it's um, Happy Time Murders. Oh, you're right. Okay, <laughs> Happy Time Murders is the worst. The second worst film of the year is A Wrinkle in Time. A Wrinkle in Time. <laughs> um, Bye, Oprah. <laughs> Do not darken our screens again. <laughs> I'd also harbour that... Uh, I'd also... Um, I'd also say that uh, I really can't emphasise enough how little I like downsizing. I I I have more mixed feelings about downsizing. Yeah, I know. Uh, so I think it's really conceptually interesting. Maybe one of the ones that I mean we 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 loved it, um, but but I I also think it can't get enough love is Coco. Coco, yes. Actually, I watched. Well, I got halfway through then stopped. But I watched that the other day. And because I must, because it's on Netflix now. Yes. Um, and I must have watched Coco ten times at least. I've got the soundtrack, and I, it is. I, I, honestly, I think it could have been best picture. Mm. Frankly, I know we were saying that about Blade Runner, how much yes. we loved Blade Runner, and Blade Runner is amazing, but Coco is is clever and and sweet and so brilliantly kind of complex in the way it's built and beautiful. And just the most emotional thing. I, I think it's such a perfect film. I think so too. And actually it has a whole cinephile dimension that is maybe not as accessible you know, to people as it should be because it draws so much on 
uh, Mexican cinema of the gold, what they call the golden era of, mm. you know, the 30s through the 50s. Uh, you know, kind of a melodramatic cinema with, you know, big stars like Maria Felix and so on. Uh, and in fact, it kind of, uh, it draws on one film specifically, which is called Macario, yeah, which is about this peasant, you know, on the day of the dead. Right. Uh, and he's got children which he loves very much, but, you know, they're always wanting things and he's so poor and he sits down to eat and, you know, before he can even touch his food, his children are already grabbing for it. And, you know, he tells his wife that, you know, all he wants is to have one, one thing for himself. <laughs> and the wife steals a turkey and cooks it for him, right? Right. And he goes to eat his turkey and he meets death. Oh, dear. Yes. And so death, uh, uh, he meets death. Sounds like a Christmas carol. It's really great, really. Yeah. So, uh, so I think, you know, God comes to him first and says, will you give me some of your turkey? And he says, no, you know, because you're God and you can have anything, right? Like, and so on. Yeah, but then when, so, so you know, uh, um, and the devil appears and he, you know, and he turns down the devil as well. But with death, he says, yes, you can have my turkey because he figures that at least for the time that death is eating his turkey, he gets to live. <laughs> right. That's clever of him. Yeah. So then the film unfolds in all of this. So, you know, he's given the power to bring people back from the dead, right? And all of the imagery in this film and some of the situations are really drawn on in Coco. Yeah. It's really fantastic. I have to watch it. Yes, you have. Actually, I've, I've got to um, clarify. When I said Coco's on Netflix, it's on American Netflix. Ah, that yes. I, that I've been, because yeah, I've got a VPN, but it's worth getting a VPN. Yes. But, um, uh, but it, uh, so, if you, you know, if, you, if, if it's on your Netflix, then watch it, or if it's not, then just buy it. Great. Yeah. It's really, it's so. I mean, the thing I really love about Coco that I can't get over is how brilliantly elegant such a complex story is told. Mm. Everything has kind of two functions, and it moves so fast. This is this is really intricate, if uh, efficient storytelling because it's doing so much with with so little. Mm. It's just brilliantly put together, and on top of that, it it will always make me cry at the end because it is. The most beautiful, amazing film code. We've seen quite a lot. And it's, it's easily Pixar's best film. Let's go back to what do you think are really kind of, you know, forgettable films that we covered. Like, you know, for example, I wouldn't have minded uh, not seeing Justice League after I've seen it. Um, no. I, I think, I think you, ha- you have to see it to find out that it is so forgettable. Yes. Otherwise, you, if you don't see it, you're like, oh, maybe maybe it was good. <laughs> <laughs> That's I true. I wouldn't have mind missing The Snowman. Yeah, I, can't even, I can't even remember anything about it. The Snowman was the um, Michael Fassbender and Rebecca Ferguson in Sweden. Oh, yes. Scandinoir. Yes, it had, it had some good visual things, if I remember correctly, actually. Yeah, it did, but that uh, was about it. And, and it, had, it had all these production problems that we didn't know about at the time. Yes. That explain... Like why it is so shonky and why the story makes no sense. The there were some films that were kind of very worthy, but really kind of uh, forgettable. Uh, I'm thinking of Molly's Game, for example. Oh yeah. Um, yeah you know which which was, was fine. It was like a TV movie though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so so that was kind of a very forgettable. But all in all, I mean, I actually I think it's been quite a good year, really. Um, yeah. So, I, I also think we should have a little talk about kind of Spielberg, right? Because 
you know, I think the post to me is like so forgettable. Really? Yes, it I is. I like it an awful lot. Do you? Yeah. I can see why you would think it's forgettable. It's It's got a kind of... It has a reasonably bland kind of style to it, you know. I think it's fitting, the aesthetic, but it is bland. Um, and I can see why you'd also think it's sort of overly worthy. But I think the, the two leads... In fact, everyone's well cast, but the two leads, Tom Hanks and um, Meryl Streep, are really, really good. And it's one of these where once you get into a scene, I can't stop watching the scene. Well, for me, it's a problem, you know, that the visual image that most stays with me about that film is the poster. The poster? Yeah. Well, you know, the poster was in the stairs of, you know, Congress or whatever. It had lots of faces. Right. And uh, um, Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks stood out. I don't remember. I, I, well, I don't think I've seen that. Okay. Well, uh, um, really? Yeah, and I actually I have a whole thing about about him because I also know that you love Bridge of Spies. Yeah, I, I yeah, brilliantly told story. Yeah, which I also kind of I think there yeah, are politics in it. Which... The politics of it are like terrible, and I just you know those two films made me think, you know Spielberg's just become a craftsman. Like nobody can tell a story better in a way, but you know. What stories does he tell? Yeah, like, uh, and I and and also, what understanding does he have of the world and of people in the world? You know, to help him kind of construct the storytelling. And I think, you know, the technique is beyond compare in a way. But everything else to me is really quite questionable. Uh, maybe. I mean, it's a cliche, I suppose, now to say about him, but I do feel that. Yeah, I, I can I can see what you mean, but I will always, I, 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 he's he's always gonna interest me and entertain me and um, I think for me he's like Woody Allen is for you where it's like maligned by most but I see the guy and also, and, <laughs> you know what I mean like yes, I'm always going to stick with him and because um, I can totally see why you like that with Woody Allen as well even if I don't share um, mm. that opinion quite so much which is not to say I'm like, overly, I'm like that critical of Woody Allen I just don't care that much right um, but uh, let but, me play devil's advocate because when we were doing Gaspar Noé and then afterwards, after we'd done the podcast, I went and saw some interviews with him and so on. And uh, um, one of the things that he thought was just amazing, uh, which left me completely cold, was Ready Player One. Player One. He said he thought it was wonderful and that it was like the film of a young man and it was so great to see somebody like Spielberg kind of being so excited by and exciting in the medium. Well, that is, that is quite an interesting point of view. I can see what he means about it being like a young man's film. Mm. Um, I mean, he, he, that is interesting. Like, mm. uh, Well, that's why I said it. <laughs> no, no, um, I mean, the thing about Ready Player One for me was I, I definitely liked it more than you did. Yeah. You, you really... Were, were quite exhausted by it, yeah. I think, um, and and pretty sick of it. And although I think it had its faults, and we talked about them in the podcast, um, I watched it again recently, mm. and I was entertained the whole way through. I thought what I was going to do was watch like the the the, the, the car race scene, basically, because I thought that's the bit that I mm. like, which was right at the start. Um, and actually, I just watched the whole thing, mm. and it just it just it involved me, it kept me going, and I saw all the flaws again, but I didn't care okay. a bit. So, so I suppose going back to the question that was asked, were there any films that you have changed your mind on? It's only been a couple of weeks, but my opinion of the rider has improved, and oh, good. I was I was probably a little bit unfair to it at the time, um, 
I think some context probably helped in the case of that film, knowing that uh, they were non-professional actors beforehand might have changed my opinion a little mm. bit. I don't know. But, but one thing that I didn't... One thing that I didn't really pick up on enough to articulate at mm. the time was the idea that in that film... Um, Masculinity isn't about like hiding yourself. Like, I think so often the idea of the kind of Western hero is the strong, silent one. They take things on themselves and they suffer silently if they suffer at all. Mm. You know. And in this film, like, you have that scene right towards the start of the film where you've got the four guys sitting around the campfire and they're all just talking about their various maladies, mm. the various injuries that they've had, the problems that they have. Like it's it, it's it's a it's a really open sort of it's a really open conversation about feelings basically mm. in this in this what would otherwise be a macho western culture of you know get in the ring and get kicked by a bull mm. <laughs> you know get get thrown from a horse and stamped in the head and like and you know that that relationship that he has with with his best friend who suffered the awful injury that left him uh, in in a care home mm. and like you know unable to speak um, it's it's incredibly touching, yeah. and it's like if you compare that to Journeyman, mm. where he he gets that awful injury, and then his friends leave him because they don't, they can't, they just can't cope with that. Mm. Like all his male friends just have no idea how to handle that, so they just leave. Mm. It's the complete opposite of that, mm. and yet no one's masculinity in the rider is questioned at all. It's not really a question at all of like, you know, I mean, I guess it is kind of a question of like what makes a man, but then the idea is that a man is someone who cares mm. about everyone and is not afraid to show that mm. reconfigures that idea really interestingly. So, are there films that you now feel that we should have seen twice, that we should have done another podcast on? I mean, <coughs> don't get me wrong, I mean, there's, there's films that we covered because the whole thing is about this podcast is that we see it once and then we talk about it immediately, right? So, uh, you know, there are many films that we have then seen again, but are there some films that you wish we would have done another podcast on that we didn't? Mm. I feel we should have done another one on Cold War, and we just weren't able to. Oh, that's true. We were going to, and then we... were we... going to, and then we couldn't. It wasn't playing. I can't remember why. Um, well, it, 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 it stopped playing at... Uh, it only played at the Electric for about four days, yeah. Um, and we missed it. Uh, it will be playing again, I think, at the Mac in November or something. Like that. That's climax. Oh, that's it's climax. Back. So, okay. I don't know if Cold no. War. Well, if that's it, about. We'll, we'll, we'll I would like to revisit back, it. If it comes back, yeah, we'll find it. And or otherwise, if it, once it comes out on home media, we'll we'll, take we'll have another look at it. Because yeah, you you love it. Yes, I do. Um, um, I always, I always feel that way in a little bit, in a way about um, about Marvel films. As I said before, whenever we talk about a Marvel film, I always end up saying like, I can't really think about it too much now because it's just so big and loud and all the rest. And then when once it's finished, I always come back and go, oh, but this was quite interesting in it. Yeah. And uh, I always, which was the advantage of. Uh, when we saw Black Panther, we had each already seen it once. Yes. So that was our second screening. Yes. And that's why I think that podcast was good. Yes. Um, I mean, it also we... helps that Black Panther is a really good film, and much better than mm. other Marvel uh, movies. But still, there is there is the idea that some movies that 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 reflection that context does help. Yes. In talking about them. 
Well, I think what I think what's good is that if a movie raises, you know, interesting questions, then the idea is that when we go to our second screening, then actually we do get better informed, right? So, you know, I think I I mean I like this thing of going to a movie blind, mm. uh, you know, and 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 speaking spontaneously about it immediately afterwards, right? I think it's a different kind of thing if you research it and you know read up on it and you know and mm. and then kind of. In some ways, then that becomes kind of a response to the to the critics, really, rather than yeah, a response to the yeah, film, absolutely. which I think is I think it's fine and it's interesting and it's great. And but that might be something to keep in mind in going into the future of you know the difference between the first and the second screening. So the second screening being not just about seeing the film again in the light of our questions, but actually seeing a film again in the light of our questions and also in the light of criticism. Mm. I think that's right. Although I think our second screening podcasts have been pretty good, and and but they are always in in relation to you know the fact that we we wanted to see them again. It wasn't about like oh the critics thought something else. Maybe we should reevaluate it. It was it, you know they've been about the fact that we had something else to say. Yes, and I'd like to keep that actually. Yeah, you know. Um, so anything, any thoughts that you've had, or any questions that you've had? It seems I've been asking all the questions. Um, no. No, I'm out sound. I just... <laughs> Is there anything that you feel that we've done particularly good and that we must keep? Uh, well, I like the fact that we started introducing ourselves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about the ego. Man. Okay. You know, the more often I can say my name, the better. I love to hear it. I wonder if we also need to think some more about, you know, what what criticism uh, orally is yeah so you know kind of what's involved in you know doing criticism with sound only yeah and are there things that you know do we need to find a different language or is there a better way of kind of conveying our points because we're doing it orally do we, do we need to be more conscientious about our speaking because i know i'm not right Mm. I mean, my I'm always like you know, mm, ah, oh, yeah, like, you know. But it, so so I'm not at all conscious. Uh, but I wonder if if that's something to think about. Like you know, what is film criticism on the sound waves? We will often try and talk about the specifics of what a film's doing, in which means talking about the image mm. um, largely. And so we're trying to do sort of textual analysis on the air. And also, like, without having our own, you know, mm. sort of uh, visual aids to refer to, because it's a film that's in the cinema that we're just trying to remember. Yes. So kind of, so then in, in, we have to try and describe exactly what it is we've seen. And, and, and I don't really have problems. Like, I, I think that's, I mean, it's like, it's like whenever you, you want to you know, describe something to, to your mates that you've mm. seen, you know, you, you, you pick on sort of, only the important bits but it's like yeah. it's just that we want to talk about reasonably involved things sometimes about mm. you know the, the aesthetic I mean I think that's great I think the, I think the one thing that we do that, that you don't see enough of mm. is is aesthetic appreciation yes um, and you know taking in more than just the plot and the actors which yes. is like most criticism is just you know so this is the name of the film here's the plot I thought the actors were good mm. that's what that's, a lot of interviews yeah. really like and um, the fact that we, you know, like that's not an appreciation of cinema. That's an appreciation of stars 
and writing. Yes. At best. Uh. Um, and you know, cinema like that's the reason. One of the reasons that we like to see films in the cinema is because it's a different aesthetic experience. The aesthetic experience is, is everything. And it's really really important to us. And um, so I like the fact that we try and get a get a grasp of that, even if the fact that we we can't use visual aids to help us is arguably uh, you know, a hindrance. But then on the other hand, like you don't want to, you don't want to make it too serious. I think if we started using video to do that, yes. it would it would become like a lecture. It would become like you've sure. got to make a much bigger point than you want to. Sometimes you just you just want to make a point more casually or quickly as opposed to sitting there and saying, now let's analyse this. Mm. You know? Like, I think the thing that I'm beginning to, um, that I'm very proud of, if, you know, without kind of getting big-headed, but um, is that, you know, that this is now our hundredth. <laughs> yeah. Right? That, you know, there is now an archive, a Birmingham-based archive, uh, you know, of roughly like 90 films that we've seen in the past year mm. and in which there's been, there's been quite an extended and serious discussion on it and that it's, it's there and it's available so that, you know, when these films then appear on Netflix or on television or, you know, four years from now, you know, if somebody wants to know, oh, what did, you know, what did they think about it? You can go back and look at, and listen to it again, right? It's there, you know, mm. and so it's kind of like body of work that we've done in a year no, it's, I mean it is my legacy <laughs> <laughs> well there are worse legacies to leave <laughs> I'm proud can I say no no so it wasn't I, I am proud of it actually yeah, but absolutely. but I also do think that you know it's 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 a resource that uh, con continues to have an extended life beyond the week that the film is out and that we talk about it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that it's still there and people can actually kind of you know look look through the list. Yeah, and see if you know if we've if we've talked about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing is because I'll just look through the list and we um, we saw Hereditary twice as well. Yes, um, and that brings up a point about um, having guests on. Yes. Which I think, I mean, that's one of our best ones, I think, the second Hereditary podcast, where yes. we, we spoke to Matt Denny, yes. um, who's a, is he a teaching? Teaching, well, I think... He's a doctor, he's, that's for sure. Yeah. I'd love to repeat uh, that, because I went, I went to university with him, and now he's a doctor. He's lecturing at uh, the Department of Film and Television Studies at Warwick, uh, and uh, he's got kind of various yeah. Uh, uh, pos yeah, positions within it. Um, and I keep referring to him as a, as a horror guru, hmm. uh, which I know he likes. <laughs> uh, so we got him on to talk about hereditary, uh, which we uh, felt we didn't really have enough of a grasp on. Mm. Um, and I thought it was a really informative, interesting, uh, and informed discussion. Yes, because so we should his, do that again. Because of his input. And so um, getting on people who, who you know, have, have not necessarily expertise, but expertise is obviously good, but expertise or an interest you know something to say like we had my brother on to talk about phantom thread mm. um which uh, he's all he, he was also um at university doing film like i did but it, that wasn't really the reason he was on the reason he was on was because he's in love with it mm. and he was desperate to talk about it and yeah. had a lot to say yes and again i think that, that was, was really, really good yeah that was a really good podcast uh, um so so that's something i'd be keen to do more of yes 
uh, I'm keen to do that as well. And it's also a kind of a way of, um, you know, reaching out and involving and engaging with, uh, you know, the broader uh, kind of cinephiliac community in, in, in the region. Yeah. So I think we should do more of that. Yeah, we, we should, we should uh, definitely try. Yes. <laughs> All right, shall we wrap up here? Because I think it's now pretty much time. Yeah, yeah. Happy anniversary. Yes, hurrah for us. Well, happy hurrah to us. <laughs> and uh, and thank you all very much for for listening. We are now kind of getting, you know, quite a quite a few listeners, and it's kind of very nice to see the stats go up. Yeah. Well, I tell Jose they go up. Yes, <laughs> it might not be true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only one with an ego. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yes. Um. Uh. And uh, yes. Uh, we're on. SoundCloud, iTunes, Twitter, Facebook, eavesdroppingatthemovies.com, and YouTube. Um, so you know where to find us. Yeah. It's on those that I just said. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. <laughs>